You're listening to the podcast of River of Life Christian Fellowship in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. All right. Uh, turn into uh, the Word with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We will make this short. It's, we've gone fairly long, but it's been good. Amen? Yeah. Hebrews chapter 10. Last week we had a special speaker here, uh, Pastor John Holler out of McKinney. And the week before that we had a, 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 a message that came forth on the seven or eight D's, basically, of discipleship, talking about the life that I now live talk about the living of life as a Christian and the walking out of our Christianity, uh, some practical things that would help us step-by-step step do daily. And uh, this morning, uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, one of the things we learn when you study the Bible, one of the things good to understand is, uh, matter of fact, there's a whole science on how to study the Bible. One of the uh, rules of studying the Bible is knowing the who, the what, and the when of the Bible. Who was it written to? In other words, who was what, when you're reading, what book are you reading, and who was that book written to? Okay, because you have two different groups of people basically in the world at that time. You had Hebrews and you had Gentiles. That was it. You had God's chosen people being Hebrew and you had Gentiles, that was everybody else in the world, according to the Jews. Okay? And God's Word was written, the Ten Commandments were given to the Hebrew. God's instructions on how to live life was written to the Hebrews. God gave a whole series of events that they needed to do and work through and walk through and sacrifice and uh, rituals and in a way of, matter of fact, to be, to be righteous, God said, circumcise yourself. You know, that circumcision was an act of the flesh that made a person righteous. And their whole system was developed, uh, the system was developed by outward doings to make a person righteous and right before God via their, their lifestyle and what they did. And I've always in my life enjoyed the, the or understood the, 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 the the Bible that's been written to the Gentiles, such as Romans. The book of Romans is written to who? People in Italy. People in Rome. It was written to people that didn't have an understanding of the Jewish culture. They weren't raised under the Ten Commandments. They weren't raised with a Levitical priesthood mindset. Does everybody understand what I mean by a Levitical priesthood mindset? They weren't raised under the 12 tribes of Israel mindset. They weren't worried about, you know, what tribe are you in and what tribe are you not in because, see, the tribe of Levi, they were the ones that were the priest. So if you were born under the tribe of Levi, that means that one day you would possibly be a priest in the, in the tabernacle in the temple. See, the book of Romans, they didn't care about priests and the 12 tribes. Ephesians, Galatians, those are books all written to... Gentiles, people that didn't have an understanding of 
a relationship with God via the outside. The book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews. That's why there's so much in there about the Levitical priesthood. When you read the book of Hebrews, there's a lot in there about the history, the fathers, there's mention of the forefathers, the you know, cloud of witnesses before. See, the Romans didn't know anything about the cloud of witnesses before. But the people of the, the Hebrew, the Jewish people did. Okay? So when we read this, we need to understand, and literally, as I've studied the word, I can see that the book of Hebrews is more applicable to the people of the American church more than the other books. I say that because the people in the American church, or the churchdom that we call it, are in just the same mindset as the Jewish people were. Doing what they did on the outside to make them feel better on the inside. See, we've come under a trap in the American churchdom, the religious world. We've been taught that if you do this, you'll be okay. If you do this, you'll be okay. Or if you, and if you don't do this, you'll be bad. If you do this, you'll be good. And that is the mindset that the children of Israel had their entire life, their, their entire history was about what they did and what they did not do. And then when Jesus came, remember the story about Jesus right before he entered the, 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 uh, the approach to Jerusalem, right before his crucifixion, he wept and he said, he, he was sad because Jerusalem did not know the day of their salvation. They didn't understand what Jesus really came to do for them, to set them free from a life of external living to a life of internal existence. You know, it's all about what happens on the inside. So I say that so we understand when we start reading here in the book of Hebrews, it is written to people that had their lifestyle according to the priesthood, to the 12 tribes of Israel. In all the instructions and regulations they were religious about the things on the outside. Does everybody understand that? They were religious about the things on the outside. So here in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now stop right there. What you know already about when you start, verse, start reading with therefore, you can't start, you will not understand anything else from this point unless you understand what, what was therefore. What was before this verse? Well, we're not going to take time to read it all, but you can start in verse, ten, uh, in verse 1. It says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the thing, can never with these things, same sacrifice, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. So the concept or the idea or the mindset that we're fixing, that we're entering a conversation here is that the law was a type and a shadow of good things to come. It was not the substance. It was just a shadow. It was just a representation of something better that was on its way. So here you have a, a group of people with a mindset about what they do. You know, there's denominations, and I'm not picking on. Listen, I... I, I, most of my life has been in a charismatic, non-denominational, Pentecostal, I mean, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, there's, there's, 
there's churches that you have to wear your hair a certain way or you can't wear certain things or you can't do this or you can't do that or you can't do this. And in a charismatic church, you have to raise your hand or you don't feel as, as, as spiritual as other people. You know, we've got the same trappings in, in all... Because we're Americans and because we're human beings, we're making all kinds of judgments about our life according to the outside. And we're basing our relationship with Jesus Christ and our access to Him based on how we live and how we don't live. What we do and what we don't do, right? There's the issue. So back down in here, like in verse 11, it talks about and it goes on and says, well, in verse 9, I can't, I can't. Behold, I have come to do the will. Oh, God, he takes away the first to establish the second. This whole passage of Scripture here, is, verse 10, it says, By that will uh, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. This whole passage of Scripture here is talking about the work of Jesus Christ, what he has done to cleanse all of us from sin and to break down that middle wall of separation. Verse 19, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holy, holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ, by a new and living way. Does everybody see that in your word? Yes. What he is telling them, he is discussing the way that they used to be, the mindset that they currently have, they need to, trans, to, to come into something else. That there's another way of relating to God that is far superior, far more excellent, and is within a better... It's called a new covenant. It says, verse 20, By a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity. You've given us to open your word this morning. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher, and we magnify that gift this morning. Open the eyes of understanding. We know so much about the word, but Father, I pray that today we will begin to understand the things that we know. Bring back to remembrance truth, and may the truth set us free from ourselves. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So Paul has established here in the writing of the book of Hebrews, he's talking to very legalistic, religious people, and he's bringing up the fact that all these sacrifices, all these things that you've known for thousands of years, in this one verse he says, there is a new and living way. Wait a minute. What's it mean to have a new and living way. That means the life that they had was old and dead. That's deep spiritual right there now. That means, what, 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 what do you mean death? What do you think sacrifices were? Something had to die. It was centered around death. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says the ministry of the law was the ministry of death. 
It said the ministry of the law was the ministry of condemnation. The very reason for the law was to bring condemnation and death. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Read it for yourself. But the ministry of the Spirit is life. Here's another verse right here in the book of Hebrews. It says that the new and living way. So the, old, the other way was old and it was death. It didn't bring life, it brought death. So Paul is telling people here, and see, that's what I have always felt my message was to the people in the church, that listen, there is a new and living way. I've always referred to it as the gospel revolution. I believe with all my heart, you need to hear this from me, that, and you're going to hear it Sunday night, that I believe with all my heart that there is a gospel revolution going on in America today. I believe there's a word of grace, peace, and Christ's righteousness that's going forth that the church didn't hear a hundred years ago. I believe that we've heard of, we've heard that we've had that emphasis on faith. We've had uh, different emphasis along the way. But I believe with all my heart, all that's happened to bring us to a gospel revolution, a revolution against religion, a revolution that is spreading the good news. You know what the, the word gospel means? Good news. There is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Everybody knows the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, which is that He paid the price once and for... We just read that in the book of Hebrews. Because He was talking to people who were still having to sacrifice for their sins, and they didn't understand that Jesus was the final sacrifice. And there's, that system is gone. You can't do things on the outside to be righteous with God on the inside. It is a gospel revolution. It started back here when Paul declared there's a new and living way. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the gospel that Jesus Christ spoke of was the kingdom of heaven on this earth. A kingdom where rules and regulations has not made you right or wrong, but a relationship with Him by believing in what He's done. By having faith in what He's done. See, there was a faith in the structure and the commandments of God in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. God said, do these things, and I'll be right with you. If you do these things, I'll do this. So it was all about us doing things. The New Covenant, it's about God's already done things, now He's waiting for us to respond to what He's done. Watch what it says. It says this, Therefore, verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. First of all, it says boldness. We have boldness. You know, they didn't, enter, they didn't enter the presence boldly, did they? They were scared to get in God's presence because they were scared there was something in their life that was going to have them stricken dead by a lightning bolt from heaven. I know there's denominations out there. There's some of you. I know I've heard it before. People afraid to come into God's presence. They're scared to walk outside because the all-seeing eye is going to strike them down in a lightning storm. They have a fear of God that's based on the Old Covenant. Based on a relationship that is pre-Calvary. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest. We have, see, we have boldness. Scripture also says this, to approach the throne of grace boldly in the time of need. Man, there is a relationship that's alive and well. Verse 20 says, By a new and living way which He consecrated for us 
through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over his house of God, let us, number one, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. There are three things here in this passage of Scripture that is instructions. Paul has told them everything that Jesus has done, everything Jesus has completed, and then he turns to the people and says, now there's a new and living way. And the first thing you need to do by, to enter that new and to live in that are these three things. Write them down. Number one, it says, let us draw near. First of all, you have to draw near. The Holy Ghost is a perfect gentleman. He is not going to force His will on you. It is up to us to seek first the kingdom, even though it was a command of the king. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. His first command has been to seek first. Our first priority as children of God, citizens of the kingdom, is to seek the kingdom and all of its righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What's this scripture say? It says to draw near. We must draw near as people. Don't let this world just throw out circumstances to you and think that that's the way your life is supposed to be. Your life is not the accumulation of circumstances. If it is, repent. Change the way you think. It has nothing to do with God's will in your life. Circumstance, the scripture says, it rains on the just and the... Unjust. Listen, stuff happens. stuff happens. Thank you. Circumstance, what, what did... See, the God in us will help us overcome the circumstances on the ends. Most Christians are trying to use the word to change the circumstances, but not change them on the inside. Listen, the Word is supposed to build us up, make us strong. See, Jesus really didn't stop the storm for Himself. He was sleeping in the storm. He was not moved. His emotions were not moved. And as we heard earlier, He was not giving the storm any honor. He was in the same storm, but see, there was people, His disciples were honoring the storm more than their relationship with Jesus. That's why the storm moved them, but it didn't move Jesus. He did not honor the storm. Same circumstances. But you're saying, well, he was Jesus. Yes, but it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ, Christ that lives in me. Where do you think Jesus is today? Somewhere on a fluffy cloud playing a harp? Well, that's some religious thinking, isn't it? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You've got the power of God dwelling in you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. But circumstances dictate how we live, right? But circumstances determine how we feel. See, that's what we talk about on Wednesday night. We talk about what's conditioned our hearts. See, we've, we've become what the world has determined because we've honored the world's circumstances more than the circumstances of Jesus on the cross. You start honoring the empty tomb more than your circumstances, 
watch what happens in your life. Watch the transformation. People will be going through all kinds of stuff and you'll be constant and stable. You'll have peace in your heart. They'll come to you because you got something they don't have. How many people are coming to you because they see something that you have that they don't? That's what being a light is. That is what's being a testimony. That is what's being letting the Jesus come out in you. The problem is we've honored the circumstances more than the work of Jesus in our own life. So this is the instruction Paul has to the Jewish people. He said, let us draw near with a true heart. You're not going to be able to fake it. You have to surrender your heart. It is a heart issue. Everybody say heart issue. It's not an obedience issue. Uh-oh. Someone's been beat over the head with that one, haven't they? I felt it as soon as I said it. It's almost contrary. Somebody didn't receive that because you've helped up obedience. Listen, you can be obedient all you want to, but if it's not in your heart, you're just a Jew. You're just of the old covenant. It's not about you being obedient. It's about having it in your heart. Look what happens here. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Do you have full assurance? See, where does, see, if your heart is right and your heart knows, you will have full assurance of faith. What do you mean faith? Faith is not, well, I asked for a Cadillac and only got a Volkswagen. My faith didn't work. That's not faith. Everywhere in the Word where faith is mentioned, it is dealing with righteousness through Christ Jesus and what He's done, the finished work of Calvary. Faith is in what God has done through Jesus Christ to make you right with Him. That is what faith is. See, in the Old Covenant, they had faith that what they did made them right. In the New Covenant, you have to have faith in what Jesus did to make you right. So for you to live in this new and living way, what do you have to have? Faith. Not faith in what you do, but faith in what He did. You not only have to have faith in it, you have to have full assurance in your heart. And there are some things in your heart that are contrary. There are some belief systems in your heart that are contrary to what that faith is in Christ Jesus. There are some things that the Word has said, there are some things that the Word says about you that you don't believe. You believe your past more than you believe the Word. That's what we need to deal with. That's what we need to overcome. You know, the Scripture talks about strongholds. Anybody, heard, anybody deal with warfare before? You understand what a stronghold is? Where's it at? It's in your mind. There are things in our mind, and I'm not saying this, please do not receive any condemnation or any kind of demeaning in any... Hear my heart as, as someone that's... Matter of fact, I was going to use this example during worship. It just came upon me. I mean, I didn't think about it till the end, so I'm going to share. But, you know, we just took the youth, or some of the youth, to the Wichita Mountains. You should have seen them. Mark, 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 mark. Just kidding. Bunch of chickens. No, just kidding. And I, I, I saw myself during worship. I saw myself, and, and asked him, I'm down there in the water already. Come on in. It's fine. 
Did I not? Huh? I dove in, yeah. I dove in. Come on down. You know, they had to make the decision. Now, I got a good report. All of them dove on in. And the water was fine. See, they're worried about their safety. They're worried about all kinds of things. Self-existence. But, you know, they, they eventually had to trust leadership. See, I'd been there before. I had been there before, and I knew the water was fine. Church, we're going places. I've been there before. I ain't chicken. Because I've been there before. And the water's fine. Jump on in to the river. Because the water's fine. There's a place I really want to lead you. It's in the new and living way. You have to let go of things that you've held on that were false and brought a false sense of security and really trust Him who brings all security. It's a new and living way. It is living a life from your heart, full of passion. You know, most Christians, I, I, I was raised in a faith message, you know, after I got out of the Marine Corps, and all I heard about was faith, 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 faith. Getting this, getting that, getting this, getting this, getting this, getting this, getting this, getting that, getting that. And it wasn't, and then I realized it wasn't about getting stuff. It's about having a relationship with God. I heard stuff taught to me like, well, if you, if you doubt in your heart, might as well give up ever thinking about getting anything from God. You ever hear that one? How the scripture says, if you have faith without doubting, you'll receive. The reason you don't receive is because you doubted. You know how much I've had in my life that God's given me, even though I didn't even believe before? I mean, God really has been good to us. I mean, us. Really. Really. Don't limit your life to bad doctrine faith is about trusting in God and what he's done getting that built up in your heart and as Paul says there's a new and living way and we, we, we've adjusted the name of the church a little bit it's called you know we, we refer to it now it's still the river of life look at all the paperwork but we're going to refer to it as the river jump on in the water's fine there's a new and living way that, that there is for us to live. Some of you have lived in it before, haven't you? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And because of the cares and concerns of the world, it's choked out that living, and we, we re reverted back into the old school, the old way of thinking. Let's go ahead and read, read the rest of this real quickly. It says here in verse 22, let us draw near. First of all, the thing you have to do is draw. You have to want to come near. It's about you approaching and taking steps and jumping off. You have to approach. There's action on your part. There has to be a want to. It says, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts 
sprinkled from an evil conscience. Now, I know most of us don't think that we have an evil heart, but the Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 3 that an evil heart is a heart of unbelief. Uh-oh. How many of us have a heart of unbelief? How many of us have... How many of us believe the circumstances more than we believe God's Word? Evil is defined by the Word. To the Hebrews, refers back to the, their forefathers who had an evil heart of unbelief, who did not believe the promises of God were for them, and they believed a bad report and they wandered for 40 more years. That was a group of people who had an evil heart. All an evil heart is, is a group, is a person who doesn't have God let me explain it this way evil is the absence of God evil is simply it's not a little man with a little fork and tail and a little pitchfork and little horns that's what the world has told you evil was Bible says evil is simply the absence of God heart physics this gives you a little heart physics lesson so it may spur you to come on uh, back there in the uh, up there, there you go, light switches uh, see those switches behind that tree those are called light switches right why aren't they called darkness switches <laughs> they're not called darkness switches, well couldn't you say that those are dark, if you want it dark just shut off the lights but we don't call them darkness switches do we you know why all darkness is, is an absence of light. All evil is, is an absence of God. And in that absence, fruit manifests, all kinds of ugly stuff. You don't need to come against the ugly stuff, just bring God into the situation and watch the ugly go away. We need to, I literally heard God speak to me, not even asking, I'm driving down the road and I hear, evil is not a force. I hear this, and I mean, in my heart and my head, I hear this, that the church has been fighting the force of good and evil. Hmm, comes from the knowledge of the tree of Evil is not a force. It's simply an absence of God. It is a void that God wants to take part of. One simple little match in this place with all the lights off would push back darkness. In your life, in your heart, God. See, if you believe the Word... You're honoring God in your heart. And it will affect your heart. Evil is unbelieving heart. A heart of unbelief. Let's read it under that. It says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, most of us, would jump right on the washing our bodies with pure water because we got to be cleaned on the outside. That's where most religion would take place. Well, you got to clean yourself on the outside. No. Paul said in the new and living way, it starts in your heart. 
And the condition of the heart will affect your conscience. Your conscience will affect your body. Spirit, soul, and body. Religion works from the body to the inside. Works from the outside in. Paul is saying right here, if you want your body to be able to be washed, how that's going to happen where it's effective is get your heart right. Get the inside right. Get full of assurance of God and Jesus and what He's done for you. Get this in you. And this will happen. That's why the Scripture says to present your bodies as a living. What sacrifice in the Old Testament was living? None of them. They all died. They were living before that they were a Sacrifice. I know this is deep. They were alive once and became dead because they were a sacrifice. Once they were a sacrifice, they're dead. There's no more life. There's no more power. It can't affect anything. God wants us to be a living sacrifice. A living life. There is a new and living way. Oh, church. It's time for the church to quit walking around like roadkill. Because the world is just taking it to us. It's a new and living way. We're, we're, let me just read this. We're gonna, we're not, I had a whole bunch to do, but uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, number one, it was let us draw near. The first thing that you can do in your life is draw near. In that process, your heart will become true. You'll be full of assurance and faith. And your hearts will be sprinkled from an evil conscience. In other words, your conscience, your awareness. You'll be aware of God. How many in your daytime, your everyday activities, you're aware of God in? Are you aware of God every time you go to a restaurant? Are you aware of God every time you go to work? In your conscience, in your thought patterns, is God in your thought patterns or is it void of God? If it is void of God, oops. It goes on. That was number one. Your body's being washed and sprinkled with a pure heart. Number two, it says in verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful see your confession comes from a determination that God is faithful and you're assured you're assured that God will do what he said he will do you're not assured that you can do what he said he would uh, that you said you would do you're assured that he will do paul said this i stagger not at the promises of god in unbelief but i am persuaded that he is able to do what he said he would do. He was persuaded that he was able to perform. Our confidence is in what Jesus has already done and that we can walk in. So there's two things here. Number one, draw near. Number two is our confession. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will what? Your confession needs to be about what you believe. What you believe needs to be about God's Word. Let us hold fast our confession. That means you need to be speaking about God. Not only do you need to be thinking, feeling it, but you need to be thinking about Him, and you need to be speaking about God in your everyday conversation. 
Verse 24 is number 3. And let us consider one another in order to stir up. See, number three, number one again is to draw near. Number two is your confession. And number three is to consider one another. That doesn't mean consider yourself. Right now, you should not be thinking about how many enchiladas you're going to get. It's how many enchiladas can you bless with? What can you do to be a blessing to someone else? It's not about necessarily you coming and saying, okay, I'm going to come to this church because they have so much to give me. But you may be saying right now, I'm going to come to this church so I can learn how I can give to someone else. That would be awesome. What a statement. What a belief system. See, church isn't about you coming to get. It's about you coming to give. The scripture says in the book of Ephesians, when, when the joints come together, this part and this part come together and they both do their share, it causes growth automatically. It doesn't have to be a good vision. It doesn't have to be uh, good packaging, good marketing, working with people. Just when this person and this person come together and they, everybody does their share, it causes growth to the body and blesses the whole. That's God's plan. It says right here, and let us consider one another. Why? In order to, number one, stir up love and good works. Our fellowships should motivate you to fellowship more and love the people you fellowship with. It should stir up good works. In other words, as you fellowship with people, you, you hear of people having a hard time or something, guess what? A good work would be going and blessing that person, helping them with a the need. It doesn't always have to come through the church. Bless somebody day. We used to do that at Christ for the Nations. We had a bless one another day. And you just begin to bless people without them even knowing about it. You just thought about for a month what you were going to do to bless an individual and you blessed them. Try that sometime. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So when we fellowship together, we stir up love and good works. We should anyway. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. So don't forsake. Every time you get an opportunity to be together, be together. As is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So that what this is telling us real simply here, church, is that there's a new and living way. In that new and living way, it's not about living under the law of the old covenant, but there's a new and living way. It's about you drawing near to God, doing what you can do to get your heart right with God. In that process, you're going to be full of faith and assurance, and you're going to be able to walk in faith, the faith of the new covenant, not the old covenant, because you're going to trust in what He's done. In that process, your confession is going to come out because your heart is getting established. You're going to be able to speak the things of God. You'll be able to speak the words of God with all assurance and confidence because you know it's in your heart. You know it's done. You're not, you're not out there trying to get it to happen. It's happened in here. You're not trying to get the mountains moved because they've already moved in here. You've already seen and felt and experienced the work of Almighty God and the Holy Spirit working in your life. And when that happens, you start getting around other people. And because of your confession, you're full of faith, when you get around people, you start helping them in their faith. You start being a blessing. You start bringing assurance and hope and confidence in other people's lives. You start being a testimony in other people's circumstances. You can stand in the midst of the storm and say, Hey, come here. Peace. Be still. You can be Jesus for them. 
You can let that confidence and assurance see there's a new and living way. It's not about you going to the temple and doing sacrifices. There's a new and living way. God didn't put his presence behind the veil. He put his presence in you. And you are the only Jesus some people will ever see. Why hide him? Let him out. The reason we don't let him out is we don't have full assurance. There's something wrong in our heart. That's why Jesus came to heal the broken heart. Let's stand up. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. What's it mean, brokenhearted? Well, it's real simple. Have you ever poured liquid into a glass that's broken? What happens? It can't hold it. It leaks. It falls out the side. It doesn't matter. Broken is broken. Can you trust a broken vessel? Some of us don't even trust our own heart. Because we know it's broken. Literally, some of us need to just stop everything that you're doing. If I could go back and pluck out all the bad theology that we've heard in churchdom, I've told people this for years. Hear what I'm saying from my heart. I know this is contrary to church growth. I don't believe in manipulating people. But there's somebody in here that just needs to stop doing what they've been doing and get your heart right. The church will go on. God's church will survive. And I'm not speaking just here in this place. I'm talking about in your own personal life. You have so filled your life full of work and all you've tried to do is cover the brokenness in your heart. And your heart will never get healed as long as you put in work on top of it. The Holy Spirit wants to heal your heart. That way when you do things in the future, it will be done out of a good heart. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying we're supposed to live life not doing anything. We just read a scripture saying that we're supposed to stir up good works. But that comes from a good heart. I don't want to just have a church full of good works without having a church full of good hearts. That's why we're making such an emphasis on Wednesday night about healing the brokenhearted. About circumcision of the heart. We're actually teaching on how to circumcise the heart. There's a new and 
living way. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, there is no way into that new and living way other than accepting what He's done for you and trusting in what He's done for your relationship with God. If you'd like to receive Jesus, you never have. You'd like to make that statement of faith this morning and begin a new and living way. This day is a great day for that. Simply raise your hand. We will pray for you. We will believe with you. We will walk with you. We will come alongside. We'll even hold you up while you go through the process of transformation of the heart. If you've never done that, raise up your hand. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Anybody in here? Maybe you have accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. But you've never drawn near. You've never taken the steps of discipleship. You've never said, God, I honor what you're doing and what you've done. And now I, I, I see the steps you've made toward me. Now I'm going to step towards you. You're going to draw near. Again, we'll come alongside you. We'll hold you up. We'll fellowship with you. Those of us that have walked the walk, ran the race, we'll help you do the same. That's what fellowship is about. That's what family's all about. Those that have gone before. See, Mary had to find her Elizabeth. She had to get around somebody that was ahead of her, going the same direction toward God. I encourage you, forsake not the assembly together of the saints. Don't be like some of those who said separate yourself. Be like those that say get around Get around people of faith. Find a group of people. If this is not your group of people, find a group of people that you can have faith with that brings you closer to, to your intimate personal relationship that exposes it and makes it real for you. Find people full of faith that can encourage you, uplift and edify you. Don't find people that put you under the law. Don't be like the Hebrews were. Paul told the Hebrews, there's a new and living way. Everybody say that with me. A new and living way. Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our understanding to the new and living way. Free from the outside liberated on the inside. Stand fast in the liberty in which Christ has made us free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. You're the great minister. You do what you do. And we follow. May we go from this place exhorted to draw near, compelled to draw near, convinced to draw near in our hearts.
our bodies will be a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. All God's people said. Amen.